Welcome to the Lamaz Podcast. Kalosirtatus to Lamaz Podcast. 
So the first thing that we're going to talk about today is just the birth statistics. The United States are, are abysmal and also highly preventable. We have a maternal mortality rate that is on the rise. In the United States, according to the CDC, in 2018, the maternal mortality rate was 17.4 per 100,000 live births. In 2019, that rose to 20.1 per 100,000 live births. In 2020, it rose again to 23.8 per 100,000. And in 2021, the highest yet was 32.9 per 100,000 live births. And then the CDC adds that 80% of these are preventable deaths. And all the while, Black women continue to have three times more likely or to be three times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related cause than white women. According to the World Health Organization, while there is a global shortage of 900,000 midwives, they estimate that more midwives would save a projected 4.3 million people per year. What does the midwifery model of care offer in response to these statistics? It's so hard to know where to even begin. The statistics, you know, speak for themselves. I think the problem and the solution are multifaceted. But my first solution, and also to answer your question, is more midwifery care. You know, the statistics out of New Zealand and United Kingdom demonstrate that if the majority of births are performed by midwives, you have better outcomes. So I think just, you know, trying to promote and encourage our field is is very important. But it's also our job to encourage, you know, clients to be an active participant in their care. And I think that's what really midwifery stands out compared to the traditional medical model is encouraging, you know, self-advocacy and promotion and education versus I think sometimes a more paternalistic or patriarchal kind of model of care in which, you know, listen to us and we'll tell you what to do, which I do think is part of the reason why those statistics are where they are. So part of midwifery is being there for the client, the family, but also involving them actively in their care so that it's a team effort. Thank you, Kate. And Sam, what do you think the midwifery model of care offers to families? So the midwifery model of care, I really think, I mean, ideally is, you know, treating the patient or client, you know, individually and not just, you know, putting them through a system. And ideally when you're treating people, you know, looking at them from, you know, an individualized point of view, like that in and of itself should help outcomes, but it doesn't because our system is still not like, that's what ideally the midwifery model of care is. But like in practice, oftentimes that's not really the case because of policies, hospital policies, local politics, you know, a greater thing that like really prevents providers from treating people the way they'd like to. So, you know, the provider's hands are tied, the hospital's like, you know, really in charge of who's making the calls. And so even with with free model of care, you know, supposedly in place, it's not always the case. And so, yeah, I think that the midwifery model of care can save lives and it does, but because of just the politics of our country and racism and like deeply rooted racism, real change is so slow to come, which is unfortunate. I agree. When 
you think about those statistics, and Joy, you and I, we've talked at length about this. When it comes to the statistics, you have to really dig because if you don't, then you don't really know what the problem is, right? So I did a little bit more digging just for two years. And what we saw in 2021 was that the maternal mortality rate for Black women were, was 55.3 deaths per 100,000 life births. And in 2021, oh, and for, for white women, it was 19.1. And in 2021, that rate was 68.9 for Black women versus the 26.1 for white women. It's showing you what the problem is. It's stemmed in a patriarchal medical model of care that is founded and rooted in hatred and racism. Therefore, you can't take that model of care and fix the problem. You can't do it. it you, you can't fix a problem from what it's from which is rooted. I think the midwifery model of care does an excellent job at combating that very thing and knowing that part of the problem is not only the physical aspects and, and sadly the worst one of, of someone dying, but also the psychological part. The medical model of care says we have a live parent, we have a live baby. We're good. It was a great outcome. But what about the psychological aspect? The midwifery model of care says we take care of that. We really take it seriously. So while we're doing the physical things, we're also caring about your mind and your emotions. And I think that when you look at the statistics, as Kate so eloquently put in other countries, that shows, the numbers show that it works and that they're having better outcomes. And just to follow up on that, what you're sharing, Victoria, what do they do differently? I think from what I've seen, I, I wasn't blessed to have midwives in my births, but just for the little bit that I have been witness to, I've seen how midwives actually will sit and talk to a, a client. It's before they ever put hands on, an hour has gone by. And this person is here, this woman is in tears. She's talking about her marriage. She's talking about her children. She's addressing her fears, her, her aspirations. She's getting all her answers, all her questions answered. You know, you can see over the course of time as these prenatals go on, the home visits go on, you start to see the confidence build. And it really, they feel love. I feel, I see the genuine love. I see the genuine connection. And that makes a person feel safe. When a person feels safe and loved psychologically, their body does amazing things. And so it, it lessens that need for all those interventions. And midwifery care does that. Yeah, go ahead, Kate. I, I don't know if I can say it any better. I'm mean, just I have like goosebumps. You know, I, I think that's so beautifully said. I think one way to to also address this is is, is a certain level of humility from the provider right? And asking for feedback from their clients and being willing to, to hear the feedback and to change. It's natural and it's human to sometimes be defensive. I will never say that I, I haven't felt defensive when I've gotten negative or even just constructive feedback, but it's also some of the best feedback I've ever gotten. And it helps me remind me that, you know, each care is so individualized. And I think that's you know, something that is a, a founding principle of midwifery care, right? You can't go in and do the same thing with each person and expect the same result. 
um, because every birth is different. Every body is different, right? Not to just expand it to, you know, past birth, you know, uh, I, I do GYN care in addition and, you know, it, it, everyone is, is different. So why would you expect the same result? And, you know, sitting and, and, and speaking with the client, you know, naming it, if they say that was traumatic, you let them name that and say, yes, that was trauma validated. Don't try to distract or, or defend, you know, and, and we also are in a litigious society and there is fear-based medicines. We feel like we have to practice. So it's a lot goes into it, but you always have to have that in the back of your mind, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I feel like on the receiving end and and prior to this podcast, I did two episodes with a couple who ended up switching in labor to midwifery care. And I don't think there's any doubt in their mind that their outcome would have been totally different if they didn't have the support that they had under the midwifery care model. And that that labor was allowed to take its course. It was allowed to to run the length that it was going to run. And, you know, they were, were observed to make sure that everybody was safe and everybody was healthy, but there was no rush. There was no expectation that this has to fit into a certain time frame. And then from my own experience with having two cesareans and then two VBACs, it wasn't until I found the midwifery practice, I found that I was encouraged to ask questions and wasn't told like I was being a good quote unquote, like good patient by not asking questions. The first, the first place I ever went to was extremely adversarial. Anytime that I was just trying to learn, was just trying to ask questions to gain more information about my first pregnancy. So the midwifery model of care from, from my perspective on the receiving end is just so, so different from the standard medical model and has endless gifts to offer to birthing families. Thank you. Thanks for your insight there. In your opinion, Kate, like I feel like you're seeing this in the way that you practice and and it's your the way that you practice is very collaborative. What would be the ideal situation for maternal care? How can birth centers, hospitals, providers, nurses, doulas and families work together to get the best outcomes? What does everybody bring to the table? Well, everybody, I think it's always important, you know, these conversations, you know, it have, people have a lot of very strong opinions, especially, you know, if you're a, you know, in birth work. And I, it's, I find myself, it's important to step back and remind myself that in general, no matter someone's role, the main goal is to provide a safe and good experience for everybody. So uh, it's important to remind myself of that. But then we also have the duty to do that to the best of our ability. I don't have an ideal, but there is a certain level of respect and communication among birth workers that I think are really, it's absolutely necessary. The home birth midwife needs to have a effective and collaborative relationship with the midwife at the hospital so that transfers can be safe. The hospital midwife needs to have a, you know, effective and collaborative communication with the attending physician so that when they take on the patient, they, or or the client, they, you know, go in without judgment and make the client feel welcomed when knowing that they're coming into a situation that was not part of their original plan. I think my ideal is that people stop giving their, I think, unsolicited opinions about a person's 
choice on how they would like to birth. It is our responsibility as providers to educate them on the benefits and risks of hospital birth, home birth, induction, C-section. That is our responsibility. But then ultimately what they decide and and what they think is best for their family, you know, should be respected and supported. So having a more supportive environment for people's choices, I think, you know, really goes a long way. Yeah. And the collaboration, right? That everybody. It's, it's essential. It's absolutely essential. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, like you said earlier, there is a short, like a, a very much a shortage of midwives, home birth midwives, hospital midwives, birth centers. I mean, ideally, like, you know, in all of the other countries that like are led by midwives, it's like, that's who people see. They see midwives unless something is wrong. In our country, unfortunately, we have a lot more high risk people, but it still doesn't match the number of like low risk pregnancies. Like typically even the low risk women and, you know, families, they're typically still seeing OBGYNs or they're going into a practice that has, you know, a midwife or two, but is still OBGYN ran. And so community midwifery is really everything. I, you know, love what Jefferson's doing with like centering pregnancy and, you know, getting moms together. And, you know, that's part of, you know, my practice as well. But I think ideally having everybody see midwives that's low risk and even those are that are high risk, like, you know, getting midwifery care and like true midwifery care, like longer prenatals, at least 20 to 30 minutes, like, you know, really going over, you know, holistically, like what people are eating, how they're doing emotionally, like really getting to know them so that you can provide them with the best care. But again, in those hospital systems, we're not allowing people to do that because we're like, okay, you have to see X amount of patients per day. And, you know, then you're not getting quality of care. You're just getting whatever it is. And that's not necessarily the fault of the midwife or the practice. It's just like, that's just how our healthcare system is set up. And, you know, that's the predicament that we're in. So ideally, you know, everybody is seeing a midwife, like really getting a good quality, individualized care, understanding, you know, decision-making, not having, having decisions made for them and really taking, like putting it in the perspective of like people taking responsibility for their pregnancies. It's like, we have this mentality of like, okay, we go to the doctor and they just tell us what to do and we do it. And then people end up with trauma, like, you know, traumatic births, pregnancies, all of these things. And it's, it's not on them, you know, but it can be avoided like with education, with empowerment, like with putting choice and knowledge into people's hands. But we don't do that. We don't focus on that. Working collaboratively, midwives working collaboratively with OBs, you know, I've, I think just, you know, from a home birth perspective, it's like having those really strong relationships with OBs and saying like, okay, here's the reasons I transfer in. This is what my scope of care looks like and having them, you know, respect that and you know, treat you like a colleague, that is all that I can ask for. And then I can look my client in the eye and say, like, I really trust the provider that's on. I know them and I know that they're going to treat you with care, but that's not always the case. And it's like, I'm sorry, but this is the closest hospital to you. And I really have no idea how this is going to go. But even for like, you know, hospital midwives, I think for across the board, like just having like strong collaborative relationships where people are treated with respect, both the midwives, the OBs and the clients, like that should be across the board, but that's not what's the case. So yeah, I mean, I think like smaller practices are ideal for combating maternal mortality. 
Yeah, why? Like, say, can you speak to that? Why is that better? Because so many people are like, oh, I have eight OBs in my practice and I need to see all of them. But what are you missing out on if you're seeing eight different providers throughout your Yeah, practice? and you're not developing a relationship with any of them. They don't really know. Like, you know, they're looking at your chart briefly, but it's like, you know, you might've noted like, oh, I've been having headaches and you know, they're, they're just kind of brushing it under the rug. But if you have somebody that you've been seeing, you're like, these headaches are getting worse. Like, you know, I don't, you know, that it, it's when we talk about the black maternal mortality rate and like why it's so high, it's like all of these things yeah, are like 80% of them are likely preventable. And it's because of these little things that are just brushed under the rug. Like, oh, she, she's having swelling, like that's whatever, or, you know, she's having headaches. And it's like, no, we're there. like black women are just not being listened to, you know, well, just starting off on what Kate said, and I, th I think this ties into what she was saying so wonderfully in the first question was humility. I think everyone needs to realize there's a seat at the table for everyone. There is something for everyone to do. And if ego cannot get in the way, you know, I think we would go a really long way. But Ideally, what I would like to see as a Black woman, as a Black birth worker, I want to see the system in the trash, like rip it down to the studs and start all over again. Anytime a woman like myself has to fear when do doing something as natural as breathing, when birth is dangerous, when it's the most dangerous place to go into a hospital and give birth for a woman that looks like me, that's a scary thing. And it should not exist. I would like to see a system where uh, care providers communicate with each other, where they don't weaponize CPS um, to get what they want or to scare parents into doing whatever it is that they want. I want to see resources for people who can't afford a midwife. I want to see those resources. I want to see insurance companies, you know, they'll drop 30 grand on a birth, they'll buy a new car for a hospital birth, but they won't pay for a home birth. I would like to see every woman deserve a, a midwife, a doula, a lactation support, run it down <laughs> because I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, the system's a dumpster fire. Start over. Yeah. We're not doing the work that needs to be done. Yeah. And I would like to say that midwifery care is the answer, but it's not because there's racist midwives and it's just, we're working in a racist system that is not dedicated to improving outcomes, unfortunately. Yeah. And to that point, I feel like so, so much of it is support. So much of it is the support through prenatal education and how many, how many providers are encouraging people to go take classes. Like you were saying, Kate, like saying to your, your clients, like you, you need to learn, you need to go take birth education class and not just a hospital class, but a class where you're actually going to learn what does physiological labor look like? What are all your options in any given situation? What are the risks that you're looking out for? When is it okay to wait? And as a doula, I feel like a big, a big part of what I do, how I practice is cultivating their sense of intuition and stressing to the family to check in with themselves. How, how are you feeling right now? Do you feel like this is the right decision for you? Or are you just taking in information and saying, okay, yes, I'll just go with that. And really checking in with oneself about what feels right, because I, your intuition will lead you. What advice would you give to colleagues, whatever that looks like to you, whether you're thinking about like the nurses and the doctors that you work alongside or the doulas and the midwives that you work alongside, what advice would you give them to help improve outcomes for families? 
my first and kind of biggest advice would be to believe the client, believe them, particularly in regards to clients of color. You know, we know that, you know, African-American clients are significantly uh, less likely to be believed when they report pain than a client that, you know, is Caucasian. And we also know that a lot of these cases, there were signs of concern that weren't believed. And I think, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but it is also that simple. Believe what the client is telling you and listen to them, base your judgment judgment on that. And that also gives them confidence to disclose and to advocate you know, people just want to be believed. It's sometimes as simple as that. I mean, it's our job to make the client feel heard. I think that's where it starts. I think for myself, when I thought about this question, it it really comes down to the internal work that a person does personally. You know, why are you in this business? Because if it is not love, if it's not connecting with human beings, your fellow human being and seeing a beating heart, you don't belong here. And I think that you have to get real with yourself in knowing why you are doing what you're doing. This is a very, it's a very sensitive work that we do because you're connecting with people regardless of, even if you don't speak, right? You're impacting a person just by what you think. And I think people in general, when you are a practitioner of any sort, you have to really be real with yourself and you have to do your own personal work. And if you can't do that, then find something else maybe that doesn't have a pulse because it's so important if you can't walk in a room and believe somebody because they're a little bit more tan than you, that's a problem. If you don't want to treat a person fairly because they don't have the right insurance, that's a problem. You can educate all you want. You can go to as many seminars and classes as you want, but where it really boils down to is what kind of person are you at your core? And if that's not um, conducive with this line of work, then rethink, rethink. What advice would you give to birthing families to help them have their best experience? And not not just that you come out alive with a baby but how do you have this empowering transformational birth experience that you're entitled to have and that doesn't mean that everything must go according to like your birth plan to me it boils down to one thing education especially as a black woman in this country a black birth worker a black mother what i will say is that it really comes down to is that A lot of times people who look like me, they don't know much except for what they are told when it comes to birthing. They, they see what's on TV, but they're, they're told if you can't get up out of bed, then that's what they believe because that's what they're told. So the thing that it really comes down to for me is educate, 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 do your research, work with your support teams, advocate for yourself by means of information because even if you cannot afford a a doula or a midwife or whatever it is that you need if you have the education you are still equipped 
And that goes a long way to save a life. I think Victoria hit it on the head. After you educate, you know, you, you ask questions and you advocate kind of goes full circle back to the fact that you are an active participant in, you are the main participant in this experience. And therefore you have the right, you know, and the responsibility to ask questions and, and be heard. And if you provider support or anybody in, in the birth you know field is not making you feel that way, you know, listen to your gut. You shouldn't be questioning yourself, right? This is a birth is an incredible experience. It doesn't always mean that it's pleasant physically, emotionally, but it shouldn't feel wrong. And if it feels wrong, listen to that. You know, joy encouraging families and, and clients to listen to their gut is, is spot on. You should feel good about your care, regardless of if if you're in pain, if you're uncomfortable, you know, just with pregnant, you know, based on pregnancy like symptoms, that shouldn't be dismissed as just pregnancy. If emotionally you're you're feeling uncomfortable or off, that shouldn't be dismissed as hormonal. And I just, I think it always goes back to, you know, you have being an active participant in your care and the provider should encourage that. And if they're not, it's not the right provider for you. Yeah. Thanks for saying that, Kate. That is, it's another point that I drive home in, in doula work and in birth education classes. I'll, I'll say it's not a stretch to say that you should love your provider and you should look forward to those appointments. And I think that a lot of a lot of consumers of the medical system are kind of convince themselves that, oh, no, no, it's, it's fine. My appointments are fine. Like, I mean, they're 10 minutes long. I'm in and out. They don't, you know, they say I'm a great patient because I'm not asking questions. Those should be red flags. And if you're not, if you're not going into your appointment dialoguing about what's going on with you and what your questions are, and you're not encouraged to ask questions, then I always think like, how, how confident is this person in their expertise if they're not in, they're not ready or willing to engage with you in a conversation about what they do and what they know and the care that they provide? And so, yeah, from, from my side, I feel like the midwifery model of care offers a connection. And I'm sure that there are plenty of OBs who practice in that way too. They're, it's just like, you got to find them. You got to do your homework. Like Victoria was saying, you have to educate yourself. And every time you choose a provider, you're voting and saying like this, this one's good. This provider's doing their job. And so if they're, if they're not, then it's time to find somebody else. Don't convince yourself to stay, look for other options, interview different people until you find like, oh yeah, this, this person fits this, they, they work well with me. And then not just in birth, but in postpartum, there's also this lack of support. So Sam, can you just talk a little bit about that? We look at like postpartum preeclampsia rates, the lack of care postpartum is a huge reason that these things develop. And it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about your diet or, you know, if you have support at home and we look at postpartum depression and it's like, to me, it's so apparent why our rates are so high for these complications. And, you know, to the rest of society, it's just like, it just is what it is. 
and the messaging to women that the priority or to you know new parents like the priority is to get right back to where you were like right. get back to that routine that you were in get back to that body that you always had get back to and, yeah. and there's no time to integrate no time to heal you know that's not the priority the priority is get back to what life was like before the baby right which is with no support it's like we're not parenting we're not doing things the way our parents or grandparents did, but we're expected to do all of the things. Like, it's like, oh, like my gr- grandma or mom, she had five kids and she did it all. But it's like, it's like, we're, we're doing this in a society that's just completely different. It's like, okay, but you're, you're also working on top of all of that, on top of, you know, we don't have any support. Like oftentimes people don't live close to their relatives where, you know, a mom or a sister or aunt can come in and help and hold the baby while you shower or, you know, clean up the house or help cook you meals. It's like, it's vital. I, like, I don't know how people do it without support. And they don't, like, they don't, they're either like anxious or like develop postpartum depression or like are so stressed out or just, you know, feeling like they're failing their family. And it's like, that's no way to live, but that's the way I want to say, you know, 60% of people live. That's just like normalized. I think the key to a positive birth experience and not just that, but a positive like intro to parenting is again, just like empowering yourself, taking an independent birth class. Don't just go to like, you know, the free class or the one that's given by your, at the hospital, because oftentimes those aren't good quality. Seek like an independent birth class, spend the money, invest it because that goes a long way. And it's, you don't, you don't have any options if you don't know what they are. So, you know, really seeking out support, putting more money towards education for yourself versus the nicest, newest stroller and clothes and all of the other things, because if you are, you know, not mentally doing well postpartum, none of those things are, you know, going to matter. But like that can make a huge difference is like educating yourself on how to have a peaceful birth, like whether that be in the hospital or at home or in a birth center with an epidural, totally natural, like you need to know what your options are. Thank you for coming on today. Really appreciate your insight. And I'm glad that so many will get to hear your perspective. I know the Lamaze listeners will benefit greatly from just hearing these different sides of midwifery care. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening today to the Lamaze podcast. Please go to our website, www.lamaze.org to learn more about Lamaze, how to connect to a childbirth educator in class, and so many other resources related to pregnancy, childbirth, and parenthood. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Lamaze podcast and give us a five-star review. This will help other families find us in the podcast world. Looking forward to you tuning in next time. For today, I've been your host, Joyce Scow. Thank you so much for listening. 